0: Code, a podcast all about the tech industry, software development,
1: and being a woman in tech. I'm your host Lola. And I'm your host orti Today is a very exciting episode because we will be chatting with Alexia Hilbertidou. Alexia is the founder of Girlboss New Zealand, New Zealand's largest organization for young women aged between 13 and 18 years old. Founded back in 2015 when Alexia was just 16 years old. Girlboss works to encourage teenage girls to participate more fully in leadership, entrepreneurship, science, technology, engineering, and maths. Described by the New Zealand Herald as the headmistress of Gen Z, Alexia's
0: mission is to get more women to the table. The boardroom table, that is. And she
1: believes the decisions made while young are
0: crucial in paving this path.
1: Alexia has received over 30 awards for her work, including being named Pacific Young Entrepreneur of the Year, Semi-Finalist for Young New Zealander of the Year, the Most Influential New Zealand Woman Under 25 at the Westpac Women of Influence Award, Forbes 30 Under 30, a National Geographic Explorer, and a Finalist for World Young Entrepreneur of the Year. Through her
0: incredible stories, a lot of which you'll hear about today in this episode, Alexia proves that you are never too young to create change. Even if you're a bit further along in your career, Alexia's wisdom, enthusiasm, and infectious girl boss energy
1: will definitely leave you feeling empowered. With that extraordinary track record, you can see why we are so excited to have Alexia on Hot Girls Code with us today. So let's get into the interview.
0: Welcome to the show, Alexia. We are so happy to have you
1: on today. It is so fantastic to be here. To start off, before we get into Girlboss and our shared passion for women in tech, we have a few fun questions to break the ice, and we thought we'd start easy. So could you please name the three coolest things you've got to experience through Girlboss New Zealand? Oh, fun
2: questions. How exciting. So the three coolest things I've got to experience, I've... Partied with David Beckham. That was cool. pretty exciting. I've met the Queen. I've met Prince Harry and Megan about four times. You guys are besties at this <laughs> point. Uh, I've been on a space research mission with NASA. That was pretty exciting. I've had lunch with Jamie Oliver and been mentored by him. Oh, my god! I'm a really big foodie, so that was exciting. I've spoken at the UN in New York, which was really cool. I was the youngest New Zealander to speak at the United Nations. I was a Facebook Leadership Fellow and got to go to Facebook and speak there and meet Sheryl Sandberg, who is an amazing woman in tech icon. Yes, if you haven't read her book *Lean In*,
1: you definitely should. I love that book. Yes,
2: yeah, so that was pretty exciting. So yeah, that's some of the cool things. But you know, it's been an incredible experience of like lots of cool different things. But at the heart of it, it's been creating Girlboss New Zealand into a network of seventeen and a half thousand amazing
0: young women. In nationwide. That is so amazing, and just what you've done with Girlboss. We're gonna get into it a bit more very shortly, and I'm also keen to dig in more about you meeting the Queen. But firstly, a very important question. We love Taylor Swift here at Hot Girls Code, and we know that you love too. I love Taylor Swift. <laughs> we want to know what's your favourite Taylor Swift album.
2: <gasps> okay, that is a really big question. Uh, I love Lover. It's, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm a lover girl. It's weird to one of... in folklore's also really up there, but I think lover is just, like, such a good vibe.
1: I am a lover girl, too. I actually once did, like... Have you, did you see online, there was like a spreadsheet where you had to like rate every single song. Apparently I'm the speak now girl, not a lover girl, but I I still identify as a lover girl. You know, that's okay.
2: I feel like speak, I can see why though, because Speak now is like, it's not like the first one you think of, but it's like, everyone's like reliably good. It's like
1: banger
0: after banger, but you don't even realize it at the time.
1: So as our listeners know, Both Lola and I are very feminine girly girls. And Alexia, you are another queen who always has her makeup on point and your hair is gorgeously styled. We actually uh, spent a very long time being like, yeah, Alexia's hair is just so pretty. (laughs) Thank you, team. So we need to know what are your top beauty tips? Top beauty tips. Oh, well. To be honest, be- like beauty
2: and fashion is not always something that came very easily to me. So when I, girl, started like growing and, I had to start doing more speaking engagements and a lot more like front facing work. I actually, this was actually a really funny story. I spoke at a startup grind event, and this woman came up to me afterwards. She's like, I loved your presentation. It was amazing. Um, but kind of like, what are you wearing? And (laughs) she she was like this very glamorous, like 70 year old woman. And she's like, I'm actually a fashion stylist. I offer of fashion consulting. I would love to mentor you and, like, I would love to for you to use my services. And so I actually went ahead with her. I flew her up. This is down in New Plymouth and she, like, fully styled me. We went on a massive shopping day. And that was really amazing because sometimes you've got to identify your weakness and the points you need to improve on. And so she fully did my whole wardrobe and gave me so much advice. So it wasn't something that always came easy to me, but it It's something I chose to invest in.
0: That's amazing. I love that. And like I was just thinking, because I, I was reading something online last night and it was saying it was someone's unpopular opinion about how they think women only ever dress up to impress men. And I was like, no, that's just not true. Like, like you're kind of touching on like it's really something you do for yourself, right? And it's like what image do you want to convey to other people and you come across as just such a strong, confident, beautiful young lady. You're wearing your gorgeous pink today. And we love that hot girls code.
2: <laughs> and it's really it can be a really Really powerful tool to build your personal brand. Mm-hmm. So I really encourage people to think about, you know, what is that key message that they want to portray through what they wear, and actually using that as a tool to achieve the goals that you want to achieve. Whether that's being your career or the impact that you want to make in the world. Because if you've built a recognizable brand or a recognizable sense of style that makes you feel confident, and that makes you feel empowered, you're going to be walking into those meetings and you're going to be giving your best energy, and people are going to recognise and remember you because you've got such a distinctive sort of sense of style. I love
0: that. It's like fashion is like an extension of your personality. Mm -hmm. Like it's not just based on like, oh, what you look like. It's like, actually, no, this is me portraying who I am through what I'm wearing. Anyways, let's jump on to our last question to break the ice. In 2018, as you were telling us, you were awarded the Queen's Young Leader Award and you got to meet the Queen. Now that is pretty cool. But how the heck do you pick out what to wear when you're going to meet the Queen? Oh, MJ. Okay, so this is so funny because when
2: I got that phone call and they said, Alexia, you've been selected from over 20,000 nominations. We'd like to invite you over to Buckingham Palace so you can receive this medal. My first thought was... OMG, what am I going to wear?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mine would be too.
2: (laughs) Yes. And literally in the sort of six months leading up to this award ceremony, I was just focused on what I was going to wear, what my hair was going to look like, what earrings I was going to wear. And that was my whole focus. And it wasn't until I got to Buckingham Palace and I was in the Grand Ballroom and they announced my name, Alexia Hilbertiru from New Zealand. And I had to march down the aisle to meet the queen that I thought to myself for the first time, what am I going to say? Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> all my focus had been, what am I going to wear? So I'm like, yeah. what am I going to say? So I'm literally walking to meet the queen and every step I'm like, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? What am I going to get to say? I get to the queen. I do my curtsy. And the first thing I say to her majesty, the queen is this. Hello. Hello. Did you know there's more CEOs named John than CEOs who are women on the stock exchange? I love that. I respect that. So she reacted by bursting out laughing. So the queen is literally laughing at me. Then she stops laughing and I say, don't worry. The young women that I work with are going to change this. Oh, I love that. And the queen, she kind of pulls herself together and she goes, very good. So the point of the story is that the queen believes in us to change those statistics. But it was so funny. And I think, you know, like, what do you say when you meet the queen? Like, Mm. most people would probably say, hello, how are you, your majesty? I was like, hello, here's a fun fact. (laughs) Uh, And it was so funny because straight after that, I went to the media room, which is just an extension of the grand ballroom. And there was media from all around the world. And they came rushing over to me and were like putting recorders in my face. And they were saying, what did you say to make the queen laugh? Like we saw on the screen, she was laughing. And then I told her and they're like, wow. This girl is weird. This girl is weird. But I did end up being a Daily Mail clickbait article. Click here to find out what made the Queen laugh. Oh my gosh! Dream
1: come true. that That was that was exciting. I really respect the fact that you were just like, this is my time to put my like personal life mission out there, and I'm gonna take it. Like I'm gonna take that opportunity, and the Queen is gonna hear about it.
0: Exactly. Well, it
2: was memorable, and I actually, funnily enough, only like thought about it literally as I was walking there, but it did give a really good platform to get our message yeah. out and it did go a little bit viral I was in quite a lot of media being like look what this young teenager has said to the queen so yeah it is important to know what your message is and what difference you want to make so that when you do have that opportunity to share it with the world you're ready and now you just have the biggest
0: flex for the rest of your life <laughs> that you've made the queen laugh I did
1: make the queen laugh and she properly laughed
0: too This wasn't a chuckle like she was genuinely cracking up
1: oh my gosh that's amazing and I think it's you know it really speaks to the fact that what you do with Girlboss New Zealand is so, like, personal and dear to your heart that in that moment of panic, you were like, this is what I'm going to pull out. I need to share my message. (laughs) And... Coincidentally, we're now moving into our section to talk a bit more about Girlboss New Zealand, and we wanted to talk about how you were inspired to start Girlboss. So I was spurred to
2: start Girlboss New Zealand at 16 as a result of my own experiences growing up in Auckland, New Zealand. I went to a co-ed high school, and in year 12, I was the only girl in my digital technology class and later the only girl in my advanced physics class. And I would go to coding competitions and science competitions and regularly be one of two, three young women in the room. And I just couldn't understand when my female friends were so intelligent and so capable, but didn't always have the confidence to step into these spaces. And I started to feel rather isolated and feel a little bit like the odd one out. But a really defining moment for me was actually when I won a coding competition. So I prepped hard, studied hard, and after two full days of coding, I won this amazing coding competition and I received a full ride scholarship to study computer science and a paid job at IBM and all of the technology equipment I could possibly imagine. So as you can imagine, I'm feeling pretty excited. I'm feeling on top of the world and I'm feeling so, feeling really cool, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I was feeling very cool. And so... The next day I walked into class and my proud teacher announced the news to the boys in my tech class. Now, because I was feeling pretty cool, I was expecting a bit of fanfare, to be honest. You know, perhaps a standing ovation as I walked mm-hmm. into the room. Perhaps my computer in the computer lab would be engraved in my honor. <laughs> Alexia coded here. Just some of the sort of standard fanfare I was expecting. But instead I got a completely different reaction. You only won because you're a girl. They probably just wanted you for the promotional ads. I thought that was quite the compliment, actually.
0: (laughs) I am quite hot, (laughs) aren't I? (laughs)
2: Like, Of course they did look at me. (laughs) You know, even comments like, girls' brains are smaller than boys' brains. It's been scientifically proven, and that's why they're not in tech. Yes, really, all the way back in 2015, not the 1950s. And I remember sitting there as a 16-year-old, and this being a really defining moment for me. Because up until then, my passion for technology, honestly, had always been a little bit about me and how Mm. I was going to have this glamorous, global, well-paid job in tech. But when this this experience happened, I started to wonder, are there other young women like me sitting alone in classrooms across New Zealand, struggling to stay true to themselves and their ambitions? And they say injustice is a great place Mm. for resolve to take hold. So spurred by this feeling and the injustice of it, I started Girlboss at 16 years old, an organization to encourage young women into science, technology, engineering, math, so leadership, and entrepreneurship. Fast forward eight years later, we're now New Zealand's largest organization for young women. And we're also expanding outside of New Zealand, which is incredibly exciting. And every day I get to work with so many amazing women. So, so great to go from a place where I felt so isolated
0: Mm.
1: to
2: now living my passion, living my dream each and every day that
0: is such an amazing story although it's very depressing <laughs> just the fact that like the boys in your class would have that reaction i feel like both autie and i and probably a lot of our listeners have had really similar experiences where you're just totally downtrodden specifically for the fact that you are a woman and honestly it's so impressive the fact that you've been able to grow girl boss over these 8 years and we are curious how did you manage to do that how did you grow girl boss to be the largest network of women in New Zealand?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's so many different challenges I had to overcome on that journey. I think, you know, the first barrier that I had to overcome was actually my own internal feelings of imposter syndrome. So when I was 16, I asked myself, who am I to be someone who thinks they can solve this massive problem of misogyny in tech? Am I the most qualified person? Maybe not, but I'm someone that's passionate about it and I'm someone that's willing to do something. And I really encourage anyone listening now, you don't have to be the most qualified. You don't have to necessarily be the most experienced, but if you're willing to do something, you're already 90% there. And especially if you've got any sort of personal experience, that counts as experience. If you've experienced something yourself and you want to make sure other people don't experience that, that can be a really powerful strategy to make a difference. So yeah, so I think that was a really big part of it was addressing those feelings of imposter syndrome so that I wasn't self-sabotaging my own growth Mm -hmm. and my own potential and It's not something that is so easy. Every day I still have to consciously and actively challenge myself. Just the other day I got a phone call asked to come on the biggest um, morning news show in New Zealand. And, you know, they call me up and they say, Alexia, would you like to come on, you know, the news and talk about gender equality? And you sort of get these phone calls. And I'm going to be really honest because I know that we can be very honest uh, with Hot Girls Code here. (laughs) But you sort of get these calls and you're like... "Mm, Do I want to get up at 6 in the morning, (laughs) drive across town, put my makeup on in the dark, and go on national television? And, like, you're always in the green room tweaking. You don't have sweat under your arms. (laughs) Is this something that I want to do? And deep down, you're like, "Mm, not really. I would <laughs> rather just roll sleep over, go to sleep then. <laughs> Live in my little bubble of comfort. Yes, and not put myself outside my comfort zone. But something that my mum always says to me is: you can't complain about the lack of female role models if you refuse to be one. And I really challenge everyone out there to realize that you're not putting yourself out there for yourself. Mm. If you are someone, you are doing it for your community. You're doing it to prove to yourself that, hey, I my voice is worthy and actually what I have deserves to be shared with the world. And it's really personal, everyone's why, but you've, it's so important to find your own way. And for me, that is that not that I go on the news and I have a great time and I feel really comfortable and it's just such a peaceful, wonderful, blissful experience. But because I know that when a young woman turns on the TV, she may see someone that looks a little bit more like her while she's eating her cereal and watching TV. So, you know, really tapping into that why is so important. I think often as women, we can focus a little bit too much on how we feel in that moment and we can actually sabotage ourselves. We go, oh, but it doesn't feel comfortable and it doesn't feel good to put myself out there. And actually I would much rather hide behind the scenes because you know, that makes me feel more comfortable. Now it's a bit of a balancing act, but I do want to challenge anyone that that sort of seems like something they may fall into because sometimes it can actually come from a place of fear. And actually when you put yourself out there, you can find that, yeah, it feels uncomfortable, but it also can be really empowering. And what you have to share with the world matters and your voice matters and speaking up in that meeting matters and putting your hand up to present matters. And we need more and more women to choose to be brave, to choose to put themselves out there and to realize that they've got so many gifts to
1: give to the world and the world is waiting to receive them. I absolutely love that. And I feel like both Lola and I really relate to that from when we started Hot Girls Code because it was such an uncomfortable thing. Both of us didn't know much about podcasts. Both of us didn't feel comfortable explaining technical concepts. And we were like, let's be super uncomfortable and do both those things. So, and I love what you said about the empowerment of doing those things. And because I 100% feel like that's something that's come on our journey as well. Where through going through those uncomfortable things of putting ourselves out there and just trying our best, we felt more, you know, confident in doing those things. We feel more comfortable. And you know, it it makes those like, you know, you start lifting the bar higher for yourself because you're like, well, now I've done this, I can keep going, keep building. I love, I love that.
2: And one of my favorite quotes is everything is figure outable. Mm. I think so often we're scared to start because we say, Oh, but I don't know about the best podcast equipment you know I don't know about you know I need to do some more research and uh, study more and read more books and ask 50 more people for advice (laughs) and in fact women often hide behind that sort of education and we're like we need to learn more and I need to be more qualified but the question that I would really challenge anyone listening to ask themselves is what would I do if I thought I was already enough
1: I love that.
2: What if you are already enough? What if the knowledge you have is already worthy of sharing with the world?
0: What if you actually right now sitting here are enough? I love that. Like, I think it's so interesting that kind of perfectionism you touched Mm -hmm. on, because that's definitely how we felt when we first started Hot Girls Code. It was kind of like, oh, we don't know anything about this. Like, is it worth us even starting? Mm -hmm. But then I saw a really good quote today and it was pretty much like, Everyone has to start somewhere. You have to start your first podcast episode. You have to start your first YouTube video, you know, and the first one's probably not going to be that good. But, hey, you have to do that first one to do the hundredth one and actually reap the rewards of, like, doing this amazing thing, Mm -hmm. you know? So I feel like, yeah, you've really touched on that. Like, you just have to put yourself out there and put yourself in that uncomfortable zone in order to grow. If you don't cringe at the first version (laughs) of, like, anything you do, and that means
2: you waited too late to start, like, it needs – do you need to reflect back and be like, damn, that was cringy. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't believe I
1: (laughs) – I've even done that with, like, the code I've written believe it or not. Like I look at things from when I like had first started at work and I'm like, who wrote this? And I'm like, oh, it was me. And I'm like, oh, and then I've been trying to like frame it to myself instead of being like, oh my God, I can't believe I wrote would be like, oh my gosh, I've grown so much I that like I can it. now recognize how bad that
0: was. I find like the conversations around cringe so interesting mm-hmm. because people will be like, oh, that's cringe. And like, I'm sure a lot of people might even say like me and Auti are cringe or you're cringe the oh, yeah. things that you're oh, doing, you definitely. know? And it's like, <laughs> I like to embrace that cringe because the cringe has more to do with how you feel about me than it has to do about me and how I feel about myself. So if you want to think that I'm cringe, then, like, good for you, but that's not going to stop me.
1: And guess what? I'm having a lot of fun being cringe, so maybe you should try it. I love that. And I
2: think often what's considered cringe is actually Earnestness. Mm,
0: Totally. What
2: the world needs is more earnest people, people that believe that they can make a difference, people that are courageous enough to put themselves out there. That's what the world needs. So if there's anyone listening to this who is very earnest, or maybe some people might call it cringe, we can re-embrace that term, (laughs) then just lean into it. Every single person that's made a big difference in the lives of others has embraced an earnest, hopeful, and optimistic outlook on life. And they've been courageous
1: enough to say, yeah, I can do that hundred percent. And yeah, I highly encourage anyone that like maybe gets labeled as earnest or naive. I quite often get told that I'm naive and I'm literally like, it's not that I don't know the bad things. I just choose to decide to not let them affect me. And I choose to not have them be a factor. And you know, maybe the bad thing will happen. Maybe it'll be the bad outcome. Me predicting that isn't going to make it any easier. So I may as well hope for the best.
2: I gonna love that. I can definitely was labeled as naive, earnest, cringe. Why is she always so excited and smiley? Like what is wrong with her? But you know, you just got to embrace yourself. And that actually reminds me of a piece of advice that I received from Jamie Oliver. In fact, when I was in London, just a little bit of a backstory on Jamie Oliver, he's the single most charismatic person I've ever met. He's a celebrity chef. He's an owner of a half a billion dollar empire. And he likes to mentor young activists. So I was lucky to be mentored by him when I was in London. And he shared with me a piece of advice that was so inspiring that inspires me each and every day. And he said, Alexia, when I started my very first restaurant at age 25, I made the decision to only employ people from the following backgrounds one, be homeless, two, have drug and alcohol problems, or three, have just prison. That was the criteria for who could work at Jamie's very first restaurant. Now, when he shared that mission with the people around him, they thought he was absolutely crazy. His own father didn't speak to him for a year, as he thought he was throwing away his life to give a hand up to others. So Jamie definitely was naive or earnest, maybe even cringe by some people's definitions. But because he chose to do that, it was a single most decision which completely changed Jamie's life forever. Once people heard about the mission, it turned him and his restaurant into an overnight success story. People were waiting months in advance to get a booking at this restaurant started by a first-time chef. And when he, he shared that story with me, and then he said, When you walk into a boardroom, when you walk into a meeting, who is the person that holds the most power? The one with the most hope. Be the one with hope, be the one with vision, be the one with optimism. And if you look at any great leader, they always led with optimism, they always led with vision, and they always believed that it could be done, even if other people thought it was earnest, or they thought it was cringe, or they thought it was naive. And that's actually when the greatest breakthroughs happen.
0: I love that, like, naivety and like hopefulness, viewing that actually as a massive strength as opposed to the weakness that people kind of convey it as currently. Absolutely right so next time someone tells you you're naive you just say I'm
1: hopeful and I'm a leader as a result (laughs) and you can share with them that Jamie Oliver story as well. (laughs) So the term girl boss as you know the brand of your company and all of that and it's something that's really evolved over the internet over the years you know there's that meme recently of girl boss gaslight gatekeeping all of that stuff and we were wondering what does the term girl boss mean to you?
2: Yeah, I mean, I love the term girl boss, and it is a really powerful way to really connect yourself into a sort of a wider movement because it's really able to say, hey, I love making a difference. I'm passionate about business. I'm passionate about leadership, but I'm also sort of part of a movement of other women that are doing the same. So for us as such a community-based organization, it really works. And everyone's like, I'm a girl boss and my we're, we're all girl bosses and we're all leading towards this wider vision of raising women and girls everywhere. And I mean, even in terms of the idea of things going in and out of trend, I totally get that. There was times where you know, girl boss was considered a little bit cringe, but then actually now on TikTok, it's being really reclaimed. And now everyone's like, yeah, like even girls come to our events and they're like, yeah, girl boss, gas keep. Guest yeah. Like, it's <laughs> like gatekeep. keep. And they're loving it. Like, when I first heard that, I was like, oh, that might be a bit concerning for our brand. But luckily, <laughs> TikTok's trends come and go so quickly that now everyone's re embracing it. They're like, yes, that's so, like, really cool. So just on that point, I think so often, particularly with cancel culture and particularly with a lot of fast, trends that we have right now you know you can feel that things come in and out of favor and there may be even times where yourself or your business your industry goes in and out of favor but as long as you're connected to your why as long as you believe you're adding value to the world and the people that know you well the customers that know you well your community that knows you well knows what you stand for and believes in it that's what truly matters so I really you know I really encourage and anyone one that like you look at even like celebrities that come in in our favor like for example look at taylor swift there was times where taylor swift had a number one twitter trend which was taylor swift is over I now she's just doing in the middle of the most successful tour in human history a billion dollar tour look at barbie mm-hmm. it was addressed in the barbie movie barbie at a time was cancelled Now, it is the first female-directed movie to reach a billion dollars. So if any of these people decided, hey, I'm going to let other people's opinions define me and define my story, they would have not gone on to be the incredible success stories they are and gone on to inspire so many people and give so much positivity and hope and Great experiences to so many people. So don't let anyone define you or tell you that, oh, that's not cool right now and that's not in trend. If you just know what
0: you're passionate about and you stay on that journey, you will eventually be like Taylor Swift. So, Girl Boss's mission is to get more women into the boardroom, into tech, and into technical roles. Why do you think, like you personally, Alexia, why do you think it's important to encourage more young women into these technical roles and into these areas? I love technology. I want more women to step into technology. So many
2: reasons. I think first lens is because we need women to be at the forefront. And technology is the most exciting. And it's an industry where you can scale your impact and impact millions and maybe even billions of people. And there's very few industries that you can do that and make such a scalable impact than technology. Second of all, technology is a very highly paid industry. Mm. And I'm really passionate about women getting paid well. I'm passionate about women being wealthy. I'm passionate about women having financial independence. So that's why I think going into technology and getting paid well is an incredible thing. A quote that I love is, without financial inequity between men and women, the patriarchy has nothing to stand on. So I would love to see more women into technology so that they can get more money, so that they can make more of an impact, so that they can be financially independent and not have to rely on anyone, and that they
0: can have choices, purpose, and power. Absolutely. I totally agree. And like, that is why we are so passionate about doing Hot Girls Code and showing like tech isn't as scary as it seems to be. And actually, you can get a six figure salary with like, you don't even necessarily need a degree if you manage to build those technical skills. So, yeah, I really love that you touched on that.
1: Um, Something we really love about your brand is you're all about women empowering each other and helping each other and working together. Why do you think it's so important for us women to help empower each other, especially in these male-dominated industries? Yes, women supporting women is literally
2: my driving mission in life. I love nothing more than a girl's girl. I love nothing more than a woman who celebrates another woman's success and wants to build them up. I love it when women see each other as collaborators, not competitors, and realize that there's enough seats at the table for all of us. So I just think you know, it's so important because it's often goes against some of the messaging we've actually received growing up where we have actually received so much messaging from society To teach us to see women as competition, competition for the attention of men, competition that there's only enough seats at the table for one token woman and not seats at the table for 50% of the world's population. And so often it can be tempting to sort of buy into these narratives. But when we say, no, hold on, women are not my competition. Other women are not a threat to me. I don't need to fight for anything because... There's enough for all of us and we can all succeed and we can all lift each other up and we can have abundance. I can achieve all my dreams and my fellow sisters can do the same. We're actually standing up against those messages and we are really stepping into our true power and potential. And the best thing we can do and actually any minority can do is actually stick together and uplift each other because that's when real
0: change and impact can happen. 100%. 100 percent and I, I find it, it's really interesting you're kind of touching on that stereotype of like career driven woman who gets above the glass ceiling and then puts the door back down right mm-hmm. and doesn't want other women to come up with her which is yeah really interesting kind of messaging that we've all been taught growing up is that that's what women are inherently like they're inherently competitive with other women and want to be better or you know for m- vying for men's attention and stuff like that but I think you've really touched on something so important that we're actually way stronger when we all work together as opposed to competing against each other I want to move on to something slightly different now so Alexia you've recently got your masters in emerging tech so firstly congratulations that is so so cool secondly we want to know what excites you about emerging tech Thank
2: you so much. Yes, it was a journey (laughs) writing that thesis. And it was many, many hours of typing on my computer and revising and learning and revising. And many times I was like, I want to give up. But I managed to push through and create something that I'm really proud of. And I love so many elements of emerging tech. I think what excites me the most is just the feeling of being at the forefront of mm. things. And that's why I love technology. It's just that we really are living in a time, and I know it's cliche to say, but we are living in a time where we are working on technology that is going to make a substantial impact on you know, potentially the rest of humanity, right? And right now, and I really believe in the next sort of 10 to 15 years, which is when Generation Z is starting to step into the workforce, that there is going to be such rapid technological change. And so right now we're so lucky that we actually get to be part of that change. So I'm really excited by the next 10 to 15 years. I am a technology optimist, (laughs) which I know not everyone is, but I really believe that if we have the right voices at the table, if we have enough diverse voices at the table, and when I say the table, I mean the decision-making table, (laughs) then we can create technology that solves some of the world's most pressing problems and brings so many people with us.
1: I wanted to dig into that like a little bit more. So obviously coming from your background of girl boss and the fact that you've done your master's in emerging tech, we're wondering how do you think women can become game changers in emerging tech? How can, you know, the way it's kind of going, how can women shift that? How can they change that? Yeah, I think why I am quite excited
2: about emerging tech specifically is like, even if we look at AI, there's actually still relatively few AI experts in the world, right? And the most advanced sense so uh, I actually I actually read a stat but it was like across like across America there's like 86 AI like official AI experts like or something it was like very low it was like sub 100 of like the highest level of AI expert and I was like "Hmm." so there's like 100 let's say then we only need 50 women to become (laughs) AI (laughs) experts and then we're going to be at 50% and they might go on to be the most powerful. Uh, set of like knowledge and understanding in the world. That's very exciting. So that's why I think it's a very exciting way to kind of get a bit more diversity, get more inclusion. If we can get 50 women to change that stat, then we're at 50% and they might go on to be some of the 50 most powerful insights in the world. So that's one thing that I think, you know, because technology is evolving so quickly, we can actually get women there. We don't need to break through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years Mm. of learning. We can actually make a difference in a a relatively shorter amount of time. So that's one thing that I'm really excited about. I also believe that women and all diverse people will be able to bring a perspective which makes sure that everyone is heard and seen in these this is a really exciting time and they can make sure that they're creating technology that represents and thinks of all of us.
0: And that's something that Audie and I have spoken about on the podcast before about why it's so important to have a diverse group of people in the room making those decisions for products that are going to be used by a diverse group of people, right? Like it makes
1: sense. <laughs> it makes so much logical sense. But somehow they didn't come to this decision until recently.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that's a really amazing point you bring up that with emerging tech, everything is changing so quickly that women do actually have the opportunity to get to the forefront of that so yeah that's an amazing like perspective and way to look at things
1: I love that it's you know it's work hard uh, work smarter not harder it's like well we don't need to get hundreds of women we can get 50 and they'll be the the (laughs) leaders and the thought leaders in this space and I've never considered that so that was love that
2: exactly and I would love to see more thought leadership when it comes to women like I read a stat recently that like under 10% of all LinkedIn posts are actually posted by women despite the Platform being basically 50 50 because women are just so much less likely to post on LinkedIn and to give their opinion on matters and to put their voice out there. And so, I would love if any women are listening now, I would love to challenge you to show some thought leadership, whether that is sharing, even just resharing a post on your Instagram stories, even if that is posting on LinkedIn, if you do have a LinkedIn, because I want to see more women in tech as role models, as thought leaders, putting their opinion out there, uh, speaking at events. I mean, this is what I would love to see because I think there's real power in that. Because when people will start to think of leaders in tech or leaders in AI, they'll start to think of more diverse voices and faces. And I think that is really powerful for changing those stereotypes.
0: That's very interesting that only 10% of LinkedIn posts come from women. And I think this also kind of touches on the topic we're keen to dig into next, which is authenticity and being yourself. So if you if you want to be a thought leader, you kind of have to have your own opinions about things, right? And you have to be authentically yourself or else it's just probably not going to come across great and people aren't really going to trust you as a leader if you're not, you know, clearly being authentic, if it is obvious that you're faking it or not <laughs> not conveying your truest opinions. Um, And you're someone that is totally authentically yourself and you go into spaces where maybe people expect you to dress a certain way or look a certain way. So how have you found that that authenticity and really being authentically yourself, how has that helped you in those spaces? I've
2: always chosen to step into spaces and really be myself, and I think I almost didn't have a choice because I didn't necessarily have role models around me. I was only 16, I'm Samoan, so I'm a woman of color, and I sort of stepped in these spaces from such a young age that I didn't even really have any other option but to be myself because I almost didn't even realize that you had to be something else. I just sort of turned up and that's a great thing about being really young is you're just like, of course I'm going to be myself. And I didn't even almost know what corporate protocol was. And so that kind of worked out in my favor because I was sort of authentically myself from day one, because I didn't know what you were supposed to be. And, you know, but as I've got older and more aware of corporate protocol, uh, (sighs) then I've had to challenge myself more to be more authentic. And I think realizing that your voice and your perspective matters is so important. And it's something I'm so passionate about. When you walk into a room, it can be so tempting to say, who am I to deserve to be here? Who am I to speak up and ask that question? But in fact, reframing that and saying, I'm so grateful that I can share my unique perspective. Oh, I'm so lucky that I'm actually the only person with this background who can actually speak on behalf of this community. Oh, I'm so excited. And you know, like I literally sound ridiculously naive, but it works team.
0: So cringe.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The next time you feel fearful, just be like, wow, I'm so lucky I get to put myself outside my comfort zone. And, you know, just kind of having these sort of ridiculously optimistic, like reframing in your head is actually effective. And I have to make it so ridiculously optimistic to like cancel out my feelings of fear. So I'll literally say, wow, I'm so lucky I get to go in and speak to all these senior leaders today. And it's It sounds ridiculous, but I'll say it to myself, even when I'm feeling fearful, and it does actually make a difference. So I also think when you step in that room, realize you're not stepping in just alone. You're stepping in on behalf of all the communities and all of the people that love you and that you love. So you're stepping in there as a strong woman with generations of powerful women behind you. If you um, identify with a particular religious group or you're part of an ethnic group, you're actually stepping in and you're getting to represent your people. Like how exciting is that? And I also tell myself, Women have overcome so much. We have literally done so many incredible things. I'm so inspired by the women that have come before me my ancestors, my family. I'm so inspired by suffragettes who literally threw themselves in front of carriages to get to be where we are today and to have the opportunity to step into these spaces. I'm living my ancestors' wildest dreams each and every day I step into work and I get to be in a position. where I can make an impact and I try and draw strength from that. And I really encourage you, anyone listening, to ask yourself, who are the people that I draw strength from? Who are the people that make me feel the most brave? Who makes me feel the most brave? And try and surround yourself with m- as many people like that as possible. And that may be your friends, that may be your families, it may even be influencers or um, you know, content creators that make you feel brave, empowered and inspired. That's the people who you should be spending the most time with.
1: I do love that answer. And I love how you've kind of taken as, All those things that make you uniquely you and that, you know, make you your authentic self, those are your superpowers. And not just because they make you you, but because of the people that they connect you with. And I've I've never considered it that way. I've never considered like, you know, the fact that I've got all of these things that maybe I'm scared to show I'm scared to bring up those are actually superpowers that I can draw from from the generations behind me and from all the other people that it represent and I also love that you took that you know that naivety that you sometimes get given and you've used that as a tool to help yourself feel stronger when you walk into those rooms exactly it's like the concept and some people might have seen it on tiktok of like be
2: delulu or like be delusional (laughs) and I really encourage you to use that idea of being delusional and really using it as a tool to help On your career, like be delusional, be like, yeah, I actually can achieve that. You know, and it isn't delusional, but if it helps you to reframe it as you, I'm gonna be a little bit delulu today and I'm gonna say, wow, I'm so grateful to be walking into that
0: room, and that helps you, then feel free to use that as a strategy. It's fake it till you make it, right? Like if you tell yourself that you're gonna do amazing, that you're gonna walk into this room and you're gonna come in with all this confidence then you're going to do it. But if you're thinking to yourself like, oh my God, I can't believe I have to do this. I'm so nervous. I'm so anxious. Then that's the energy you're going to be bringing into that room. And people can pick up on that energy.
2: And you know, you don't have to necessarily feel it to say it to yourself, right? You just say it to yourself, even if you do feel DeLulu, (laughs) and you'll start to believe it and you'll get yourself into a better headspace.
0: This totally reminds me of like that thing I've read online that if you're feeling sad, just force yourself to smile and eventually like... I don't know what happens, but physiologically, you just become happier because you're smiling. Yeah, and actually
2: that's something that's so special to me because my nana, who's a big role model to mine, she went through like 20 years of chemotherapy and she always used to say that um, when she was like at those lowest points in so much pain, she would force herself to smile. But she would, and I always think about that. And when I'm sad, I always think, well, my nana, she was going through all that cancer treatment and she always would force herself to smile. And I really... um, encourage anyone if you're feeling down just you know force yourself to smile and you'll feel like sometimes I do it and I literally feel like angry and annoyed at myself and I'm like my brows are furrowed like the rest of my face is giving like completely non-smiling energy and I've got like it actually feels uncomfortable to smile when you don't want to smile like you're literally you're like you feel you're like snarling literally look ridiculous like I'm snarling but you keep doing it for like Plus 30 seconds, like you really need to commit and you feel so ridiculous and it does eventually make a difference. I swear it does. I promise. Next time you feel sad or angry or frustrated, just sit there with a furrowed brow and force yourself to smile and eventually you'll start to feel a bit
1: bit better. Love that. Some great advice. And you've given us a lot of really great advice so far today. So we at Hot Girls Code are very passionate about increasing the number of women in tech, which was we have talked about extensively today. And it can sometimes be hard to be yourself when you're the only woman in the room, especially when you're early on in your career. As someone that has been in a lot of very big, scary, important rooms as sometimes the only woman and sometimes the youngest person, do you have some advice for other people that find themselves in that kind of situation? I absolutely
2: relate to this. I'm almost always the youngest person in the rooms that I'm in. Often there's mostly men, so I'm only one of few women, and also being a person of color and being Samoan, almost always the only Pacifica person in the room. So it's something that I really have really had been in this situation many times before. I think first of all, realize that your unique perspective gives value. So when you're walking in as a young person, then that can be great because you've now got access to all these experiences that maybe no one else in the room has have had as much access to. And you know, sometimes you do have to stick up for yourself. I'm actually quite a fan of having a little bit of sass when necessary in corporate environments. So when someone tries to say like, oh, you know, you may lack experience or, which was always funny, that idea of lacking experience, because everyone has experience, it's just a different experience. And so when someone does that, I like to just very politely and casually, you know, throw something in a place that they may not have experience. So, you know, you can ask them about their TikTok strategy or any other area that they may not have the similar expertise as you, because that is the reality. Everyone's got different experience and they're all valid in their own ways. So, you know, don't be afraid to kind of throw your own little question back and have a bit of sass if necessary in those environments because you do need to stick out for yourself. And I think so often, you know, women will go through experiences similar to what I had in my tech class or when I'm in um, uncomfortable meetings and I have to assert myself and they'll say, you know, if, if I get those sort of comments or if it happens, I get those comments again, what should I say? And my advice is literally... Just say something. Mm. Because in these moments when you can feel really disempowered, you can feel surprised, you feel shocked, you feel put on the spot, and you don't always have the right words that come to you, but as long as you always say something, even if it's, hey, what do you mean by that? Or, oh, I don't really understand what you mean. Or, can you please clarify? Or anything, literally, even if you say Um, rude, like literally anything. (laughs) It doesn't have to be perfect. But as long as you say something, you are sending a subconscious message to yourself that, hey, no one is allowed to speak to me like that. And I am someone who is worthy of sticking up for themselves. So literally, if you're ever in that situation, just tell yourself, three, two, one, I'm going to say something. And whatever comes out is better than sitting in silence because nothing is worse than walking away from those experiences. And that's what happened when those boys were saying those comments. I didn't say anything. I felt disempowered. I felt shocked. I felt surprised. And I walked away and I felt really angry at the situation, also angry at myself. I thought, hey, I'm someone that sticks up for myself. Why was I so silenced in that? And then I really made a pledge to myself that if that ever happened again, I'm going to say something and actually... Every time since I've said something and it hasn't always been perfect, but I promised myself that I will stick up for myself. So I really um, encourage anyone, if you are in those situations where you feel belittled or you feel demeaned and someone actively says something to you, that you just stick up for something. And it doesn't have to be perfect, but it has to be. you have to say something. Uh, so that would be one strategy. I think the second strategy is show leadership and build your own personal brand. So the best way to build your own personal brand is to start something. So that could be even initiative like Hot Girls Code. That is something that's this amazing Gen Z sitting across from me now. They have chosen to show leadership. When you show leadership, then it can really help build your personal brand and help you be taken, um, get more opportunities in your career. There's so many times where I have got incredible leadership roles just because I was the person who came up with the idea. Not too long ago, I got an incredible role to be the gender equality ambassador for New Zealand Um, in Dubai. It was an absolutely like beyond my wildest dreams role. And people were like, how could you know, you get that role at such a young age. Uh, literally the other people that uh, were the New Zealand ambassadors was Paris Goebel, who's a very famous I love hip-hop She's star. So cool. And 660, who are the number one musical artists in New Zealand. So just to put into context, these people are way more famous than me. <laughs> and I got to be uh, alongside them as one of three ambassadors. And people going, wow, like, how did you get that? Well, the truth is, is that I came up with the idea for there to be a gender equality ambassador and I pitched the idea to them and then they're like okay well that's actually a really great idea I did a massive pitch all about how gender equality should be part of the New Zealand story and that we should have an ambassador there that represents it and I gave a a full pitch with like 25 slides all around that. And actually, that was what enabled a completely life changing opportunity, well beyond anything I would have thought possible for myself. And so many Go Boss people that I've mentored, I've told them if you walk into your direct manager's room and you have an idea for how to improve a system, how to improve a process, have a new idea to make that company better then you will usually get a leadership position on that project beyond what you would do if you hadn't come up with that idea. People will give you some form of semi-leadership position just because it was your idea. And that is a great way to hack your career as a young person or as um, someone in working in tech who wants to accelerate faster. Coming up with ideas, joining random project teams and getting that Uh, Those sort of opportunities is a really great way to hack your career. So I really encourage you to think, "Mm, what's some initiative, what's some startup, what's some club, what's some network, what's some project, what's some system improve that I can do in my organization that would help me accelerate my career really rapidly? Uh, and I really encourage anyone listening to think, what's a hack that I do? We want to all be hacking our careers. We want to be accelerating really fast. And we can do that by boosting our personal brand, sp- showing leadership, and sp- being uh, starting projects
1: and initiatives within
2: our organizations.
1: I love that. I love how it's like, if you feel like there isn't that space for you make that space, make that space happen. Totally, right? And can you imagine
2: if, uh, like, to be the gender equality ambassador for New Zealand, I wouldn't have necessarily got picked for that role if they just, like, put it out there. They would have probably handpicked probably, like, a, literally like a former prime minister or someone like like it's a very prestigious role but because there wasn't one and I came up with the idea they're like oh well I suppose you can do it because it was your idea (laughs) and not to like put down that I didn't add really good value in that but it just shows I was the person who was brave enough to be like hey this is kind of weird that you're not focusing on gender equality in here we should we should do something about it
0: I love that and I I really like how you're highlighting the importance of creativity because I think a lot of people view tech or technical roles as this like purely problem solving it's purely technical like there's no creativity involved whatsoever and that is so totally wrong and like there's actually a lot of creativity needle in tech and people have a lot of ideas coming around but it's about being brave enough to actually say I'm going to do something with this idea I'm going to talk to people about it I'm going to try and make this happen so yeah I really love that you touched on that that was very cool now before we finish off today and move into our quick fire questions If people are keen to get involved in Girlboss New Zealand initiatives, or they're just interested in following along you on your journey, how can they get amongst it? So it is completely free to
2: join Girlboss and we are expanding to young women outside New Zealand. So even if you're outside New Zealand, you can join. Uh, So it's just go to the Girlboss New Zealand website, www.girlboss.nz. It's completely free to get involved. We run programs and initiatives throughout the year where you can connect with incredible other young women passionate about tech and be inspired by some amazing role models. So it's free. It's awesome. You'll make lots of friends. Definitely get connected I would love to stay in touch with some amazing hot girls codes listeners
1: (laughs) yay get involved hot girls (laughs) so as we come to the end we like to do these quick fire questions to finish up and the very first one I think this is going to be quite hard for you because you've done a lot of cool things is what's the best job you've had and why and you can't say being the founder and CEO of Girlboss you have to be more like fine-grained than that. OMG I was just about to say being the
2: founder and CEO <laughs> of Girlboss you cannot just take my top answer out of my mouth but um, uh, the, the best job that I've had well me I've okay I started Girl boss at 16. So the only other job I had was working in a fish and chip shop. And
0: so that must have taped the top, right? Like. That was not the best job that
2: I've had. But because you've locked out all other options, I will lock in working at a fish and chip shop. <laughs>
1: because it helps you, you know, get your customer experience. It you was terrible, team. There was no pause.
2: I was so bad. And look, honestly, I think it's a good example. So at the fish and chip shop, I was genuinely very bad at my job. I lost a lot of confidence. I'm not good at practical tasks. I'm really like airy-fairy. I would have burned the chips. I would couldn't chop very quickly. Very useless. But I could have if that was my only experience, I could have walked away from that saying, "Wow, I'm a really useless and incompetent person." And I am like don't have any value to give. So I think what's the sort of the magical story into that is make sure you're in the right rooms where your gifts are recognized. Because back of the fish and chip shop, and it was actually a seafood retailer. So my biggest job was removing little crabs from oysters. I'm not joking. And like other shellfish. I was extremely, so I was the slowest person at removing crabs from shellfish they've ever seen. But you've got to be in rooms where you're celebrated. I was not celebrated when I was removing crabs from shellfish. And if I I let that define me I would have thought that I've got no value to give and I can't even do a job like that so what who am I to think I can do anything so make sure you're in the
0: right rooms is the point of that story that is such good advice because you deserve to be in the boardroom not the back room of the fish shop <laughs> <laughs> our second quick fire question what do you enjoy the most about coding oh I I used to code a lot more than I do
2: now, to be fair, but I think what is, I did just code about three days ago, so that was exciting to get back into it, uh, is really when it works, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when and I think it's a funny one because it, like it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and you're like so frustrated, and then it suddenly works, and you're like, yes, yeah. it was all worth it.
1: Yeah, I'm a all genius. <laughs> that is the best time. What was the first coding language you learnt? oh yeah, HTML, CSS. I think we're three
0: for three in our yeah. interviews. It-,
1: it was technically ours as well because of Tumblr. So yeah, both of true. us used to, you know, do Tumblr. I actually forgot about
2: that. I used to do Tumblr things back in the day. I and that was even earlier than that, and that also. So was HTML. But.
0: <laughs> you don't remember, like, oh, it's all just a vivid memory. <laughs> it is so awesome
2: how Tumblr really has just, like, given so many women their first coding experience. I hope I every woman
1: realized that that was a tech experience. We both didn't until we started this podcast. And we were both like, wait a second. <laughs> and, like, our very first episode, and I've had multiple people reach out being like, I didn't realize that I used, like, I've always said I couldn't code because I don't have a coding brain. And then I heard you guys talk about the Tumblr. fact. Yeah, about <laughs> Tumblr themes. And you were like, I used to pump out themes all the time. And you're like, clearly you are a coder. I love that. Next
0: quickfire question. What do you think is your biggest strength in your career?
2: My biggest strength is bringing people with me. That is absolutely my biggest strength. And really bringing people along for the ride and also not being afraid to take the uncommon path. So throughout my journey, I've always been a little bit different. I've always been the odd one out. I was studying tech when none of my friends were. I was, you know, the only girl in so many spaces. And even when I told my mum at 16 that I wanted to start my very own social enterprise, she replied, why don't you go to university, get a normal job, and then you can just donate to charity. But I chose to ignore that advice spurred by the belief if you want opportunities that not many people get. You need to make choices not many people make. You need to make the choice to study tech when none of your friends are. You need to make the choice to put your hand up and lead on that project. You need to make the choice to choose to put yourself into places where you can speak publicly and use public speaking, which is a really powerful uh, tool to actually increase the reach of your message. So, you know, choosing to be a little bit different is such a powerful tool that will get you so far in life. And as my mum, she now works full time for me. I'm her <laughs> boss, so I got the last laugh there.
0: That's so good.
1: Uh, second to last question is what is one thing you wish you knew before you got into tech? I thought I wasn't good at it because
2: no one else was sharing their failures, and it wasn't until and this was in my tech class I actually got I won the tech award for the best like the best coder in my school, and I was like, "But wait, I'd always been talking about how my code was playing up, how my code wasn't working, and they just breezed through everything. Their code was always working amazingly for the first time, and they never had any problems, and they were so confident. And then I realized that perhaps I was just sharing my failures, and perhaps... They weren't. So I think that was one thing. You know, so many people benefit from this idea that technology is really hard, and you have to be so intelligent and so smart to code, and only the best and brightest students can do that. That's a narrative that people in tech sometimes like to put, like, you know, to spread because it makes them look really cool and awesome. But the reality is, you are already capable of going into tech if you're not already and everything you can learn and everything you can figure out and there's so many resources out there so if you're sitting there in your computer science lecture and you're feeling like wow i'm the only person that's struggling with this most likely they're just lying and they're also struggling too and just trying to keep up with everyone else pretending that they're not struggling so you know i wish i knew that
0: um and our final quickfire question that we have for you today alexia what is your final piece of advice for girls considering a career in tech?
2: To realize you already have everything within you to succeed. I think so often as women, we kind of wait for permission from others. It's like we're already like we're back in primary school, putting our hand up to ask to go to the bathroom. It's like we are waiting for someone to tell us, hey, now's the time to leave and lean into your potential. Hey, now's the time to start that business you always wanted. Hey, now's the time to put your hand up to be that project lead. But in fact, you're not going to get that permission from anyone but yourself. And I really encourage you to ask yourself, what would I do if I was already enough, what would I do if I was unafraid? What if I was do, if I realized I am worthy of the life that I want and to go after that, be unapologetically ambitious, bring people with you, find other women that make you feel brave and never be afraid to take the uncommon path.
1: Oh my gosh. I got chills from all of that. That was amazing. And on that wonderful mic drop moment, we're going to finish up. Thank you so much for coming on to chat with us today, Alexia. We could have honestly gone on for hours and hours if we weren't careful. Um, It was so wonderful to have you here.
0: I feel like you have just given us, you've inspired us, you've given us so many great ideas, and we're so excited to get this episode out to our listeners so that everyone can hear some of the wonderful things that you have to say. So thank you so much for coming onto the show today, Alexia, and we hope maybe we'll have you back again. Again, sometime. Thank you. I've had the absolute best time and I can't wait
2: to stay connected with all of the incredible Hot Girls Code listeners. And that brings us
0: to the end of today's episode. We hope you all enjoyed our chat with Alexia as much as we
1: did. Honestly, we could have gone on for hours. Our next episode is all about burnout. So if that is something you want to learn more about, especially how to prevent it, definitely tune in. If you enjoyed this episode, we would really appreciate it if you could
0: share it with your friends or on social media to help us spread the word and get Hot Girls Code to more wonderful women. Feel free to also leave a rating and subscribe to Hot Girls Code wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram, threads, and TikTok under at hot code to keep up to date with the podcast and learn more about the tech industry, software development, and being a woman in tech.